Hello and welcome to Creative Scramble. My name is Carl Thompson and today we're joined by Kate Rostens of Fat Free, a Nottingham-based video company. And her role as the executive producer was, amongst many, many things, to be the gatekeeper of the purse strings of your business. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would think so. I'm kind of, um, I'm the, the, the chief plate spinner, I would think. And that, that goes across all kind of uh, projects and finances and clients and um, logistics and, and those kind of things. Yeah. So today I want to discuss money and, and sort of money specifically for a small business. So money is something that British people have typically been quite shy i guess from from talking about openly um it's something that's sort of ingrained in us from a young age that it's rude to talk about money for some bizarre reason and you know money makes the world go round especially in business so it doesn't really matter what your business is whether you be a plumber you know a hairdresser or a filmmaker or whatever people often take a skill and go well, i want to do this for a living and then they'll try and make it into a business but no one's ever really taught necessarily how to run a business how to run it successfully so i kind of want to discuss that a little bit more Um, and just get your take on things because you run a a successful video production company along with your um, husband and it's transformed quite a lot over the last couple of years. I know it was, you had a a number of full-time staff and now you've kind of um, stripped it back a little bit. But how did you start Fat Free Media? Was it something, did you have a goal in mind and do you want to deliver a certain lifestyle, um, have a big house or big goals or a comfortable life, big family, whatever you want to, whatever your goals may be. Was that the reason for setting up your own company? Uh, no, I think we were too um, <laughs> too young to be sensible enough to make those decisions and, and kind of fell into it like a lot of people think, um, I think do. Um, and it was only several years in that we realised, uh, well, I realised there was a massive gap in my skill set. I don't think you know, like you talk about British people aren't very good at talking about this stuff, but also I think our education system fails to um, teach us about this kind of stuff and, and get us to have that financial literacy. Um, so it was in taking control of that and, and filling in some of the gaps in my knowledge um, about how to run a business that it opened me up to the fact that you can be the master of your own destiny with um with your business finances, with your agency's finances. And it's really, really important to be able to have the information you need to tweak what you want, to, to, to achieve what you want in life as well. What sort of financial goals did you have, if you don't mind me asking? In the beginning? What, what, uh, yeah. <laughs> Food in the fridge, I think. Just... That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you think about on a yearly basis or on a monthly basis? I want to hit these sorts of targets and in order to do that, I have to generate this amount of work. Do you do you plan for those sorts of things? You can very easily plan for those kind of things. I think for us, it's about designing the kind of life that we want to, to live. And we're not set for world domination. Um, so it's about striking that balance between um, doing the kind of work that we want to do, doing the kind of work that's going to make us um, some money um, and not cost us money to do, but also then building in time away from work you know building in the ability to go on holiday um building in you know having a day a week off um building in being able to retire at a decent age you know i don't want to drive a bentley um but i but i do want to retire before i'm 70 you know that's kind of where my financial priorities lie (laughs) yeah yeah hopefully none of us are working beyond 70 but you just don't know do you really um let's talk about managing the finances of a project that comes to you then so if an inquiry lands in your inbox and somebody says to you i want a 60 second or a two minute advert to promote my product or my brand 
how would you go about managing the finances or managing the expectations of a client financially for that project? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the, the most important thing at that initial briefing stage is to understand what their deadline is and, and what budget range they've got to play with. Um, and we wouldn't do anything until we understood both of those things, because um, as well as understanding what they're trying to achieve, we need to make sure that we can fit it into into the studio. Um, and also we can find a solution that's going to work within their budget. Um, when we've got that information, um, we go through a, a quite a detailed internal scoping kind of um i've got a spreadsheet that we set up um that allocates different amounts of budget to different areas i would scope that out with our producer to make sure that you know my my workings were kind of accurate in that place and that really forms the backbone of taking it to um our creative director neil and saying this is what you've got to play with this is this is what you know how much time we can allocate at each stage we can push and pull a little bit on that but we need to find a solution that falls into this in, into this kind of world. Um, so from there, he would build something that, that kind of works for that. Um, alongside that initial kind of internal scoping um, spreadsheet, I would then keep a kind of an actualized version, which means that throughout the project, things are going to push and pull. You know, we might spend more on kit than we'd intended to, but we might spend less on refinements. You know, as it's a live document. It lives and breathes, and, and we kind of update it as we progress through the project, which lets us know... Um, how we're progressing against it and, and where we've gone over and where we've gone under. Um, and it also gives us a little bit of flex, you know, when we've got markup on external costs, we can maybe, you know, negotiate a little bit on that um, in order to give something to something else. But it, it, we know how it's going to work for us as, as, as a project. Okay, that was a really great answer. One of my favourite questions that I get asked so often by clients is, so how much is a video? Has anybody <laughs> ever asked you that? And, and what would be your your first response i think you can um i think every company should have a kind of minimum value of a project that they take on you kind of work out that below that value it's not like it's not worth you getting out of bed for but that you can't have fun with it there's not enough kind of rope there for you to kind of really play around with um and it's it's not all about money it's also about the creative fulfillment but you're stifled at a certain point. So I think you can say most projects that we take on don't dip below this point. Our average projects fit into this kind of range. Um, and that gives people a bit of an expectation um, as to what might be what might be possible by working with you. Um, the other thing that we do quite a lot of is we enjoy working with the same clients over a longer period of time, um, not on a retainer basis, but on a, you know, we know when they've got projects, they're going to bring it to us. And that Building that kind of relationship with the clients allows us to have really honest conversations. How much are you willing to spend? You know, um, is there a way, you know, and we can have those those real conversations to find a solution that works. There's nothing to say that you can't do a really great little animation, you know, for, for two and a half grand or something like that, you know, but it's about understanding um, the client and how many amends they're going to come back with and those kind of things which is why a lot of those things are much much easier in a long-term relationship with a client rather than it's the first time you've worked together and you're still scoping scoping each other out mm. yeah explaining the value of what you do to a new client especially somebody who's not particularly experienced with video i find can be mm. quite challenging um do you have a way of sort of talking them through how you break down do you break down your costs in terms of this is how much we spend on pre-production. This is what we need budget-wise for production and post. And do you try and lay it out for them um, to, to simplify it? Somebody who's not particularly familiar, say they're not a marketing manager or they're not from a different agency. 
I think in the early days, we gave very, very, very detailed information down to, you know, how many hours there were for this and, and those kind of things. Um, because we were a bit awkward about uh, the about the value that we were delivering for it. Um, and as time has gone on, um, and in speaking to my clients about it, I've stripped the detail right back. Obviously, I have the detail in the internal version of the documents that we're working on. But when it comes to that um, front page of the, the kind of cost estimate, I keep it really, really simple. I might break it down into kind of concept development, pre-production, production and post. But that that would be it, because I think... What we, the value that we deliver is more than the component parts. It's about solving a problem for the client. It's about them solving a problem for their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really interested in, in all the things that make it up as long as we can deliver what we say we can deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So it sounds like you're very in control of the company's finances. Do you, know, do you outsource things like your VAT returns and your bookkeeping? Like at what stage do you, do you bring on a, an accountant to help out? I think there's some things it's definitely worth using an accountant for. Um, Personally, we use an accountant for um, VAT uh, and all the annual uh, accounts, but we also get a monthly uh, management uh, information uh, report that comes to us that tells us how we've done in the previous month and how we've done year to date. That can be a little bit more expensive. You know, for smaller companies, it's it's a, a lot of your budget. But for me, it's vital just to see more than once a year how we're progressing against those targets. Um, and within the, the, the P&L, the P&L basically tells you um, what sales you've done, what cost of sale has been, what expenses you've got. And then at the bottom falls out your kind of net profit for that month, and net profit for, for the year to date. But it also you can see how much within that your office and rent and Internet and subscriptions to Vimeo and all these other things um, cost you. And you can see, OK, well, if that's the case for this month and we extrapolate that across the, the rest of the year what are we going to end up with what's what's going to be our turnover for the year um what would happen if we um and, and that's the point where you can have a look at your forecast and you can then i like to think of it as a kind of build your own adventure so um if you were interested in extending the the team, getting a bigger team or moving to a bigger office you can pop those details in you know you can update a couple of cells and, and see are the, are the numbers at the bottom still black or have they gone red? And, and, and what impact would that have? So if we added that person in the team, what sales figure do we need to achieve in order to make that worthwhile? Um, and, uh, and and that's a really, really exciting exercise because earlier, before I knew this and before I, I kind of did this as a matter of course, if you were deciding to add a new person to the team or to invest in a piece of kit or those kind of decisions, you kind of just cross your fingers and close your eyes and hope for the best um, and that's probably not uh, a great <laughs> place to make a lot of decisions um, from when when you're looking at a, a business so I really prefer to be able to see the numbers and to model it up and and to make sure that you're making the right decision that's also been really useful for us when looking at whether particular clients or particular types of projects um, are working for us as a business you know when you've got that kind of information you can see um, whether or not it's costing you money to service a certain client or whether a certain service you might be offering your clients is bringing any money back in or actually if it's it's costing you more um, than it's bringing in to be able to deliver it and that can be really useful to to shape the direction of the business as well. So have you ever had to let go of a client let's say we have yeah um we we realized 
in particular that particular services um, weren't working for us and in that same process um, we offered that service to a couple of main clients and um, and we've made the decision to, to stop working with them because it, it wasn't sustainable. Yeah that's probably not the easiest conversation to have in the world but I guess you have to protect your own business you have to work out what's profitable for the business it's not just about turnover after all you know yeah you can turn over all the money in the world but if it's not profit then there's not really much point. Surely. Exactly yeah. Okay, and talking about profit as well, I guess when you take on a staff member or multiple staff members, that's all coming off your off your profit. Mm-hmm. You then, as a director, are you then going to take a, a smaller dividend, or are you going to make sure that person is generating enough income so it doesn't affect you as a director's income? And how do you work out how much a person is worth to the company? You can do that quite easily. It's a, my my, um, my accountants got me a. A simple spreadsheet that you can list the people within your team um, you look at you know 365 days in the year you remove the weekends you remove this the the bank holidays take off 24 25 26 days a year for annual leave put in a provision for sick leave maybe like five days and you're left with a number of working days in a year um, and you know that person's day rate so you can multiply that by each other and that's what the maximum amount that that person could bring into the business. But the other thing you have to bear in mind when you look at that is that agencies basically never, ever run on 100% utilisation. You can see 80% will probably be um, the most you would want that to be because there has to be time for new business and for research and development and those kind of things. Um, But when you you break down these figures, and and when I broke down these figures, um, when we had a a team of of 10 of us, I was quite shocked to see that we were working at 50% capacity, um, which meant in that situation I knew that we didn't need to take on anybody else in the team uh, because actually that if, if you take people's hours in the office or people's hours working as stock you know as as kind of bottles on a shelf or cans on a shelf we were literally taking half of the cans on 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 our metaphorical shop shelf and and throwing them away every week um so it was actually and it was nothing to do with with the team the team were exceptional the team were also working really really hard it was actually my problem um in terms of making sure that the prof- the projects that we took on were properly scoped, that I was giving enough time for the work to be done, um, and also that I was managing the clients closely enough to make sure there wasn't horrendous overspend, um, you know, through the project or um, managing the client's expectations. You know, if they come back and wanting to make changes at a, at a V2 that should have been made at a storyboard stage, that's not okay unless you're prepared to give us more budget. Um, and starting to t- take a much, much closer control over those things had a really, really positive effect on our utilisation rate without the team working any harder than they were already working. It just meant that we were getting paid properly um, for the for the value that we were adding and for the work that we were doing. Mm. Do, can you tell, so when you're all in the office, can you tell looking around that the team's working at 50% capacity or... Did you only discover that when you put it into a spreadsheet? Because people aren't just slowly walking through the office or slowly writing an email. I, I know that's not what you mean. Yeah. It's more about billable hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the team weren't necessarily working any harder when you managed to, to, to price out the work. I, I'm just trying to understand what that 50% looked like. 
you can't tell at all because you're too busy being busy to realise whether um, the project's working for you or whether you're working for the project. And it's only when I got the details of, uh, of the kind of figures behind it um, that I realised that we were killing ourselves and not necessarily being paid for that value. So it's very easy to be to be busy. So the other thing that our accountants did was uh, put together a graph for me that had two lines on it, a bottom level of the line um, that showed what we what we should be earning if we were at 50% utilisation. And then a line a little bit higher up the graph that showed what we would be like if we were at 80% utilisation. Um, and occasionally in months, we went above that 80% line. Um, and, I, and I didn't want to be there because that meant that we had no time for research and development it meant that we had no time for training it meant we had no time to to have fun Um, and it also meant that any contingency um, was very very small so if, if one person went you know came down with a cold or you know somebody um had a family crisis everything would fall down. Um, So making sure that we were between that 50% level and that 80% level, ideally somewhere around the 65% level, um, was kind of central to finding a decent balance within the team. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I want to talk a little bit about cash flow as well and having a buffer of cash. Um, I guess as, as a business owner, you have to be ready for all sorts of eventualities some some months you can have an amazing month and you go this is great if we keep earning this type of money we'll be millionaires in no time other months it might go into christmas and then you know production just tend to stop mm-hmm. so it's about having that buffer to to ride the wave and see see those quiet and those busy moments through so that mm. you guess are constant you're, and you're never struggling for cash what yeah is is there a percentage figure you work with or do you do you have you know a, a little reserve account of cash sat there just in case your rainy day cash as a business owner well there's a couple of points you touched on there one is kind of cash flow some companies manage their cash flow very very tightly um, and they would look at things that were coming in and out over the next few months to make sure everything was was working well that is something that I don't bother doing because uh, I'm into the finances, I'm into making sure it all works well, but it's not my full-time job um, and I need to make sure that I can manage the finances of the business in a streamlined way that's just going to work and then I can get on with, with the, the other parts of my role. So um, the forecast tells me when things are going out and I can make sure that on a monthly and on an annually bi- on an annual basis that it all works together. But also I... Um, just operate a quick weekly check so um the the kind of the current account of the business um fluctuates between two levels one at the start of the month and one at the end of the month and i know what those are and if if it was to ever go below that i would know there's a problem here um we also put away into a separate bank account um the money that we owe for vat the money that we owe for corporation tax the money that um myself and and Neil owe on kind of self-assessment tax returns those kind of things and then we also have another bank account which which we call kind of buffer cash Um, and in there what I'm trying to do is build up months of overheads so not just you know what we need to take out but what it costs us to run the business Um, and that has been incredibly useful for us um, at several different points, you know, if you do need to take on an extra person or, you know, something happens, a piece of equipment breaks down, you need to replace it. You know, knowing that you've got this kind of slush fund there um, 
in case of you know smash glass in case of emergencies that it's there um, but it also when you're running a business and when you are personally responsible for you know your team's mortgage payments and uh, you know those kind of things that can be a lot <laughs> um, a lot to kind of keep you awake at night so for me knowing that I was you know building up six months of um, overheads in another bank account just to, you know for, for a rainy day meant that I could sleep at night because I could know that no work could come through the door for the next three months or six months or nine months or whatever um, and we'd be fine um, that also then gives you options as, as business owners um, to do other things, take other directions, take a risk, do some, you know, um, innovation, try a new thing. Um, and if you don't have it, you don't you don't get those opportunities. So that's been really, really um, important for us. And that's something that you only get if you make profit, because you can then retain that profit within the business. So when you talk about profit, profit can be a bit of a dirty word, or, or you might feel greedy talking about it. Just because you made profit doesn't mean it ends up in your personal back pocket. It, it comes into the business and you can then choose what to do with that, whether you're reinvesting it, whether you're saving it, whether you're taking it as a dividend, whether you put it in pensions, all those different kinds of things. So it's really, really important. And that's how we've built up. Um, I think we're currently at six months, but I, I would like to get to a year because I'm a very risk averse person. Um, but yeah, that's how we are able to build that is by making profit on projects and then banging it away into another bank account. Yeah. That sounds very sensible. <laughs> <laughs> Not very exciting, but but sensible, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how much visibility do you give to the rest of your team? We've got a much smaller team now, um, so it's less important. Um, but when we had a bigger team, um, I let them know exactly what was going on. I think... Um, it was important for them to understand whether we'd had a good month, whether we'd had a bad month, whether we whether we were too busy, um, and we did the, we did that quite a lot sometimes. I'd be like, I'm sorry, this is this is too much work. I'm trying to 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 kind of turn turn the volume down on it next month and um and those kind of things. But also for them to to understand that we did have why it was important for us to make money. Um, and you know, if you are working for a company, if you're an employee within a company, um, and your salary is going to stay the same regardless, um, why should you be motivated by it? But if we are trying to make profit because we are looking to, um, you know, invest in everybody in terms of training, if we are looking to have a couple of jollies each year where we go off and you know have a day of fun and, and we need money to be able to to pay for those kind of things um or you know if we're you know other companies look at things like um offering reduced working patterns and those kind of things that that's all only achievable through that profit so um so yeah we were quite transparent i know other companies aren't as transparent but for me it felt it felt right to do that very good um so could you tell me a little bit more about how you go about pricing yourself moving away from every single hour of the day that you work and the materials that you use and how do you go about um, costing up a project it's a funny one this because ultimately there is there is a time and materials component to what we do you know if it's a one day shoot you know that there's what there's one day of filming there you know that's kind of a set unit of time um but one of the things that I've really been working on over the course of the last few years is to 
think about the value that we deliver and the value that we deliver to our clients isn't just based on the hours that we're working on this particular project. It's about the expertise that we've developed over the course of the last 15 years in the industry. You know, the books that we read, the podcasts that we listen to, the development and, um, and training work that we do. Um, so there are a kind of a couple of elements here. Um, one is the time that it's going to take you to do it. And if that time to develop a concept is actually you, um, you know, going on a walk or, you know, thinking about it when you're in the gym or wherever you kind of come up with your ideas, that should be billable um, and that should form part of uh, of the work. Um, but also thinking more about the value of the of the product that you deliver at the end rather than the component parts that make it up. Um, and that can be really useful to mentally take yourself away from um, the kind of oh, working a full studio day or that kind of nine to five um, thing as well. Obviously, you sound very, very financially literate. Did you did you seek that information? I mean, there's a lot of online courses out there. I guess you could you could outsource a heck of a lot of stuff to your accountant, but then it costs you money. I guess as a business owner, it's the more you know, the better. The more you understand the finance behind your business, the better. Um, how do you, how did you go about to to seek that um, that education? Did you study at university, or did you just pick it up along the way? I don't think um, I don't think there's, the training courses that are out there are any good. To be honest, um, I remember um, when I became managing director, um, I realised that I didn't really have a clue. <laughs> Uh, how to make sure that the business was doing what it wanted. My, my strategy was largely try and get as much cash as you can in the bank account and hope for the best. Um, and when I realised that, I, I approached, um, she's a financial coach, um, and I said, look, I don't know my arse from my elbow here. Like, can you help? And she was great. She had this kind of uh, roadmap that she would come in and do a bit of a diagnostics, um, like a bit of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but for, for financial literacy. And it was just all red. The whole pyramid was just completely red when we started working together. And slowly um, I, I kind of worked, worked with her on a one-to-one kind of coaching um, basis to learn those skills that I wasn't taught and to have somebody that I could ask the really really stupid questions to um, and she also helped me get up get set up with an accountant who really looked out for our business and was re- really proactive and, and that I was getting the information that I needed but not too much information um, and I, I think that the thing that's most important with that however you become financial literate in this is that you take the time to understand um the information that's in front of you um so you know if even it's your annual reports if you don't understand what where these figures have come from or um those kind of things you need to be able to have the kind of relationship with your accountant where you can ask those questions um i'm sure they'll charge you for (laughs) for explaining it to you but abdicating that kind of responsibility means that you don't know if there's a problem um, and that can be really potentially harmful for, for your business. So so doing that piece of work with with a financial coach and I still see her um, every few months just for a little catch up and uh, it, now it's more of a kind of strategy, what we want to achieve and, and how we're progressing against that and those kind of things. Um, but that, that's been really, really important to, to the success of the business. Um, obviously you've run a successful video agency for a number of years now do you think it's important to to niche down or specialize in a particular area to separate yourself out from being just another video company um i know the 
what you do as a person and the service you offer is what separates you out but do you think the is there anything else that you can do differently because there's let's it's quite a saturated market there's an awful lot of people who can grab a camera and just point and shoot what do you think makes you guys different um and also it's got quite a low barrier to entry um our our industry in particular so i think it's really really important to make sure that people know what particular value that you offer i think if you can be considered a kind of commodity um then it's just a race to the bottom in terms of how much how, how much you can charge for projects and and also how fun those projects are going to be um so i think being known for for a certain type of value is really really important um and there's a lot of flexibility there. Some people are going to do it via sector, so they're going to co- concentrate all of their efforts into working within particular um, sectors and verticals. Um, that's one way of doing it. And we don't do that. And the reason why, I think COVID has, has kind of um, brought up some interesting um, thoughts around that, um, because if you've niched into an area that has been completely obliterated um, by a pandemic obviously we don't plan for these things um, then all your eggs are in that basket um, for us what felt like a, a better option was niching into the kinds of, of projects that we do um, and being known for, for, for those kind of things so for us it's about especially where video is the is the only channel that c- could be used to communicate that that particular thing um, and also we quite like mixed media so things that are going to involve film and animation and kind of the interplay between between those things and also things that are going to make the audience feel something um, so you know using emotion making them laugh making them inspired those kind of things are where we probably kind of do our best work but we don't say oh yeah we work within sports and we work within HE and we work within that because actually what's more important is the type of client, how they understand the value, um, and making sure that the work is is exciting and kind of putting the fire in our belly from that perspective. Yeah, very nice. Um, do you set yourself and your business any any sort of financial goals? I love I love a goal. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm kind of I love a I love a to do list. You know, you can probably tell I'm that kind of person. Um, so I I love to to know where I'm heading and what needs to happen to get us there. Um, I'm not. We're not in this business because we we have got grand aspirations to take over the world or you know to 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 buy up, up all the local agencies or or, or those kind of things. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are goals that are important to us personally and they can inform, especially as business owners, they can inform your business and your business's goals. So that's really, really important. And to kind of keep those um, front and centre, I don't change them all the time, you know, once a year, those kind of things. Um, I think that that's a really important way to know how you're progressing against um, your objectives and to making sure that you're going in the right direction. And the really exciting thing is that that's as personal as you are. You know, um, for some people that could be about having an incredible office or, you know, having the best kit or working around the world with, the, with, with you know, your favourite clients or building a massive team. Um, and for others, it could be about, um, you know, work-life balance and, you know, only working a few days a week or um, th- those kind of things as well. So it's really, really exciting to think about those financial goals. And yes, it's definitely something that's really important to us. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting. It's kind of leads nicely into working smarter not harder absolutely because you know you hear a lot about this hustle and you've got to work 80 hours a week in order to be successful and 
whilst I guess you do have to work hard to be successful, um, doing 80 hours a week is probably not good for your sleep, um, your your mental health, your relationships, let's say. So I guess you've, you've framed that really nicely that, yeah, goal setting as a business owner isn't just about numbers on a spreadsheet. It's mm, about what, how you see your life and, and what you want to do with your days and what you consider success. Success is it's quite a big spectrum, what that word actually means to, to different people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so very nicely put. Um, this is a bit boring, but, you know, something we have got to think about is is paying ourselves when we get older. Do you ever or do you have any advice for anybody thinking about getting a pension and how you go about doing that with, with your business? I guess it's putting a lot of money aside and hoping that it, it generates you income later on. It is. It is. Um, and it is it is boring, but it's also um, I'm in my mid 30s now. And, and because I've been running my own company for, for the last kind of decade, I've missed out on having any workplace pension ever. You know, so when I came to think about pensions a couple of years ago, um, the financial advisor said, oh, have you got any little pots of pensions? No, I've got nothing. So I started from scratch. And I think um, a lot of people are in that position as well. Um, we, we, we know that we absolutely cannot guarantee um, that we'll get a state pension at all. And it's certainly not something that we'll be able to live off when we do get to a pensionable age. So it's really, really important that we start doing it. And there's been a lot of um, development in this kind of industry, you know, things like Pension B and those kind of things um, are there where you can have complete control over um, accessing your pension on an app, you know, putting in flexible amounts each month. Um, they're great. And, and it's really, really important to build that into a, a business's forecasts as well uh, to make sure that the business owners are, are getting that money put away in their pension. It can be really good um, because it, it will bring down your tax that you're paying on other things. You're not paying income tax on it. Um, I think there's a limit that you can put in each year, but it's like 40 grand or something like that. So not many people are going to touch that on a yearly basis. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, really important I read a thing recently that said by 30, you need to have the uh, equivalent pension savings to one year's um, salary. But by the time you get to 40, you need to have two years. And by the time you get to 50, you need to have four years. Um, that's pretty terrifying, I think, for a lot of people. But it's uh, it's a good motivator to, to know that you're on the right track to being at a point when you are at um, a pension pensionable age that you, you are going to have enough there to have the life that you want and to, to do the kind of fun things that you want, um, rather than kind of worrying about money for, for your golden years. Okay, Kate, that was really really insightful and hopefully the listeners got a lot of value from what you've just said um i find it really interesting i the more the more i understand the the finance of running a business the the more i can focus on the creativity if that makes sense so Absolutely. once you know we've got um spreadsheet after spreadsheet a lot and a lot of it is done by, by my business partner as well but we're very very clued up with the finances we're making sure we're on top of things at all times and that just alleviates the pressure on every other aspect of the business mm -hmm. So you've just covered that off really, really well and ho hopefully people enjoy what you had to say. So thank you for that. No problem. Thanks for having me.